Turn my headphones up. Louder. folks in greenwood once again we're back how you living bonjour shalom what's up how you living out there y'all and well live here on a sunday july 30th final days of the july how you living jazz you know i'm doing doing pretty good stayed out kind of late last night celebrating a birthday but uh other than that i can't complain it's always good to uh help celebrate family and friends birthdays and uh and you know once in a while it's all right to burn the midnight oil indeed and stay out a little later than usual uh we're also living here in a very sunny july in seattle we've had pretty much consecutive sunny days for the last two weeks and uh and now we're uh coming off of our election episode where we talked about the the mayoral run which is a good way to segue into a little thing we like to call. Callbacks. 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 So call back to the last episode if you didn't get a chance to listen to and you live in the Seattle area, you should listen right away. Right. And that'll be a little bit of a precursor of what we plan to do for the 2018 elections. Uh, definitely talk about some of the bigger races and the bigger candidates, especially trying to get the word out there for people who need to get out and vote for, you know, taking back the House. If you feel like the Democrats can do a better job than the Republicans. And all that jazz, which I think they can do. At least they get shit done when they're together. Yeah. So call back to that episode if you uh, you listen. And uh, I guess my official callback is that the race is officially um, Mon- Wait, Monday or Tuesday. It's going to be Tuesday. Tuesday. All elections happen on Tuesday. Yeah. Well, some I think some states have uh, city elections. Don't necessarily have to land on a Tuesday. Oh, okay. But... Um, and it is a mail ballot, so people might have already sent some of that. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. Definitely for sure. I saw someone uh, putting off their ballot when I was over by Green Lake. Yeah, so uh, get out there and vote. That's my callback this week is just to remind those local people to get out and vote and participate. And, uh, you know, hopefully one of the candidates we, uh, you know, went into last week will uh, will lead our city into a... a beneficial and bright future indeed um but moving right along uh we were going to talk kind of specifically about the city council we're going to kind of touch on that and maybe give you some resources later but so much has happened in the week since we last joined these people right like for real there's been i mean changes in the uh executive administration as far as their cabinet and his advisors um there's been new developments with the russia and our relationship with them i mean there's been a nuclear test oh from north korea from north korea i mean they did their second icbm um and they arced it where it landed into the water off the coast of uh japan but if you like put the trajectory out more they said it could reach mainland uh U.S. U.S. So yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's a very dynamic world we're living in right now, and indeed, new, news happens by the second. And uh, so to start us off, um, for our kind of expose what's going on in America, a segment we like to call 
I always forget. This Bill Watch? No, but Bill Watch is a part of uh, the state of America. That's right. That's what it's called. The state of America. So uh, state of America and Bill Watch have been kind of combined into this overall look into what's going on. So as far as uh, the state of America, the tell the people a little bit about the uh, the shakeup in the, the press corps of... Uh, of Obama's administration and uh, and about the uh, uh, the addition of a Mr. Saramucci. So mm. yeah, what what do you uh, what do you have to bring to the table about that? Um, uh, Scaramucci is, is crazy. Like, like he had that talk and everything with that reporter, and he just took like everything. Um, like he was just like, man, all these leaks and everything. And yeah, the leaks. And I mean, so he's taking over as like lead of the of the press corps. Yeah. And so and then um, which means uh, Spicy's out. Yeah. And which is interesting because Scaramucci said on Fox News, he was like uh, he was in London once. He was like, if Trump becomes president, find me a flat in London. Like he was a President Trump hater. And now you look at him and he's like emulating his uh, gestures and just like speaking in his style. It's kind of like brash, direct, and kind of oblivious at the same time. Like it's interesting. Yeah. No, it's going to be, it's going to be a different uh, press, you know, situation. And then as far as like the Sarah Huckabee, she comes out and, uh, and basically reads a letter from like an eight-year-old kid who tells to Donald Trump that he's a, his favorite president. That's how she opened the press conference after the kind of shakeup. She's like, "I'm. We're gonna do it differently now. We're gonna start with letters from the people every press conference now." Mm-hmm. So here we have one from eight-year-old Dylan. Oh my God! But they call me Pickle. Yeah, but they, <laughs> but they call me Pickle. Oh my God! Like I it, see, it was that. It, the Trump administration at least gets you to have some weird emotions because I can see his constituency eating that shit up. Oh, 100%. I mean, like, like tr- he had a Trump themed birthday party. He, he didn't he didn't really have a Trump themed birthday party. He had a make America great again themed birthday party. Right. With the, the hat, the MAGA hat. Right. Was what he had. And then, you know, because his, his father and his mother probably are working. Um, in those businesses that are being outsourced or automated faster than uh, instances or industries on the coast are. So you know it's gut-riching out there, like, where are the jobs? What they mean is, where are the working-class family jobs that used to be here in the 60s, 70s, and 80s? And they're like, no, it's in China, I guess. <laughs> but Yeah, and it, it's just it's just unfortunate because the press conference is kind of, it's supposed to be a way for the American people to have access to the administration in the White House mm-hmm. and kind of understand the inner workings of it and question some of the authority that they're delivering and allow the people to see that in the public press, which is part of the freedom of the press. Uh-huh. And so to start it off with these kind of very partisan, idyllic like ways of trying to make Trump out to be this grand perfect oh president. yeah it was masturbatory as fuck yeah and it's and it's it's not what that exercise is supposed to be and and the fact that they're doing that is just it's ridiculous and it's it's going to be scary as we go further and further and it's less about the questions and more about what message they're trying to deliver which is not what a press conference in the sense of the white house has always been right you know it's more of a q a 
with yeah. like, with like a, a statement delivered and then Q and A. That's right. Like, that's been the standard. Yeah. And all of a sudden now it's like emotional grab, statement, 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 and then possibly no questions. Right. They're they're running it like it's a reality show. Exactly. And and no, it, it's supposed to be. I am the president of the United States. As the president of the United States, aka Commander in Chief, I am dealing with this shit right now. Um, my White House press secretary will be my voice on the shit that I'm dealing with. He or she will only talk about the things that I want to talk about when it comes to the shit that I'm dealing with. But I want to be as open and as articulate with you about the shit that I'm dealing with and how it affects you as American people. Right. Thank y- you for this. Right. Trump ain't doing any of that shit. And I mean, <laughs> Sarah Huckabee might as well just be in like, a, like you said, a reality show, like, <laughs> like the real world confession room. Just like right? it doesn't need the press corps there, just a camera and be like, oh, my God, can you believe some of the American people are acting like this? Oh, I just want them all to leave. Right. And then like every time in her voice, it sounds like she's about to break out and cry. Like when she was reading that letter, I was like, oh, my God, girl. Don't like, cry. Don't cry over pickle. Like, like seriously. Like they have a pickle. I mean, and I'm like, I hope he got vinegar in his blood, man. I'm sorry. Pickle, I hope you're all right, and I, and I hope you're a good kid. But uh, your parents be fucking with your birthday, man. If they're giving you, and even if it was, I mean, okay, wait, I was, I was, okay, an Obama theme party might be kind of cool. I was gonna say no. <laughs> I was like, no president. There's that liberal bias again. Well, <laughs> I'm just joking. I was like, you know what I'm saying? No, wearing leather jackets and then like occasionally lying about it, but smoking out on the patio, you right? Know? Uh, you know, you can play with drones. I mean, right. I, I do it like having an Obama themed birthday party was cool. I would want the cake to Hawaii? have like you're right. You can do luau stuff. Oh my god. He's from Hawaii. I mean, yo, so I was about to say any presidential theme party wouldn't be that. A Bill Clinton one might be kind of silly too though, actually, cuz it's like he had remember, Are you going to have a dick that's uh you going to have a cake that says I suck your dick or something? <laughs> no, like cuz he always he always went jogging, right? And he always went jogging in those like super awkward like 90s neon running shorts. Oh yeah. So you could throw like basically a 90s neon party. Oh, there you go. And then you can cater it with McDonald's because he always ran to McDonald's. So you got That's right. You got you got you got that McDonald's You could have like a saxophone jazz band. Exactly. Now you're getting it. See? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we can invite I still want to have I suck your dick cake though. We can have our- <laughs> We can have Arsenio Hall there. It'll be great. It'll be good. It'll be good. Uh yeah, maybe. I don't know. What a George Bush related uh one I guess would just be like us chopping wood at his uh ranch. But That's true. And again have like oil themed uh <laughs> different things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, your parents screwed up, man. They picked the wrong president. Trump is just a big red hat and a bunch <laughs> of, like, ideals. And you're not going to have any minorities at your party? That's not cool, man. Like, that's that's a lame party. Like, like what are you doing? Like, that's... I don't know. Stuff and things, things and stuff, I th- guess. That's, yeah. So, shout out to Pickle. Hope you hope your next birthday is not Trump-themed. But uh, moving along in the state of America, uh, other major topics... Other than Scaramucci and Huckabee, uh, we have a, a kind of breaking news here with the Russian diplomats, American Russian diplomats that were in Russia, 755 are being ordered to leave by Putin. Yeah. Which is just like on the, the newsreels today. And uh, I don't know if that's in response specifically to the sanctions that were uh, garnered against uh, Trump earlier 
or not Trump, uh, Russia earlier, this uh, sanctions against Trump uh, earlier this week by Trump. He signed a, uh, a bill that was handed to him um, from the House and the Senate that basically wanted to put pressure on Russia for their involvement in kind of our election hacking and just in general uh, melee of things that were happening from Russia. And so th- I think that might be why this is happening. Mm-hmm. But they're basically closing down facilities and sending diplomats. So as we're moving to the situation where we have countries like North Korea who are experimenting with nuclear weapons and who knows if they'll actually deploy one, which will be the first time in almost 80 years and over over 80 years. And um, and then you also have the uh, or I guess it's 77 years, but um, and then you have this Russian situation. So we kind of need partners like Russia and China right now. Yeah, we do to deal with um, to deal with a problem like North Korea. And this is right now when all of our like diplomatic relations are falling through the cracks. Yeah, that's that's the one like, see, if I had known that Trump was going to be this much of a fuck up diplomat like internationally. That would have been my, like, biggest thing. Like, oh, I wish you had done that, Hillary. Like, how do you think he's going to be with foreign diplomats, right? And he's always like, I know the best people. The best people. We have so many good times and so many good friends. Yeah. And I guess that's my Trump and working on his Russian accent. I don't know. I, well, uh, <laughs> well, and they just met, like, the week before he had to sign that bill. They had just actually uh, met. And uh, I don't know. It was a brief, what, 15-minute conversation. And uh, and now they're basically going at odds against each other as far as, like... I mean, it's very chess movie. Yeah, it definitely is. I definitely, like, what what kind of scares me is because North Korea is also close to Russia as well, too. And... Uh, yeah, we need them as a partner in, in fixing that situation. Although, I, you, you almost feel as though North Korea... Russia's not afraid North Korea's gonna nuke them. See, yeah, that's true. See, what I, one of the things I wish that... Um, trump kind of did was um sat on the t the tpp like like you know i think he blew his load a little bit too early only because that that was supposed to be a a strategic partnership between you know the south pacific and these western nations to beat back the economic power of china right and you know of course he's like he kind of compared it to nafta and it was a bad deal for americans blue collar americans is is what he means which yes he's right um and it, this would also be a bad deal for them too. Of course, I'm like we're in post post um, postmodern industry time, so we have to move past that and teach those people new skills and teach the generation them to bring up those new skills. So they're not like, well, my daddy had this job, so I should have it too. Like, right? Know, it's not how the world works anymore. But um, I was gonna say. But- well, yeah, I was just going to say that, so with this Russian uh, kind of fallout, it's 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 bad timing, and I'm suspicious of their fear and reasonable uh, ability to help push against North Korea, because, I mean, I mean, I'm only citing one element of journalism, but there's that Vice piece where mm-hmm. there's a series of North Korean... Um, populace that live in Russia in Siberia and they harvest logs and the logs are sent um, to I think North Korea okay but they're it's a trade-off deal with mm. Russia but the 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 people that are there don't know they're in Russia and they're not there on their own free will 
Oh, damn. And so it's kind of multinational slavery in a way. And uh, there's a vice piece on it. And so I'm only citing that one piece. And if there's anything out there that would prove that that piece is inaccurate, then by all means. But he basically goes there with cameras and uh, Sam Smith, the now CEO of Vice, uh, and films uh, these uh, I would call atrocities. Yeah. You know, and there's definitely a, a sentiment from the Russian side that that should not be being documented. And that, that that and that's a secret that's kind of been going probably for a long time. Mm. And so when you know something like that, you go, well, Russia's closer to North Korea than us. They should be more worried about this than we are. But they're not. No, they're not because they they have sort of an allegiance. And uh, I was saying with the TTP, if we had used it as a, tr- a strategic thing, saying like we will sign this. China, if you do, um, if you don't keep, sorry, if you keep giving stuff to North Korea in terms of supplies and everything, right, we will sign the TTP so we can have some sort of economic dominance and economic foothold in that area, right, right. But because Trump was like, I need to do something that's going to be seem like a big win to the workers, I need to say no to this real quickly. Yeah. So I think he lost a kind of a strategic uh, posturing that he could have that kind of damaged North Korea in a financial way. Yeah. And and it definitely feels like it's very similar to like 1930s like isolationism or 1910s isolationism mm-hmm. where where America feels so insular from the problems of the rest of the world that our populace turns inward, i.e. screw immigrants, screw other people taking our jobs. Yeah. And fuck you guys and your problems. We live in America. We don't we are not dealing with it. And so I think by closing down the TPP, he kind of yields to that emotion. Oh, yeah. Of like, it's not only America first, it's America only. Yeah. In a way. And so that sentiment is felt in the heartland where his kind of constituency exists. Mm-hmm. You know, and I mean, if you, and no shout, like, problem to people that live in, like, the the grain belt of our country. But, like, if you live in Kansas, how affected of Southeast Asia do you feel? You know, it's like you're bounded by a large ocean and then a distance of a thousand miles itself within your own country. It's got to feel pretty easy to feel protected if you're Nebraska or Kansas and like how you're going to not have to worry about the problems of the coast. And I think out here in like Seattle, yeah, where one of our neighbors is the Pacific Ocean, i.e. Southeast Asia, mm-hmm. Um we're aware of it and we're more willing to kind of yield to what's going on there. I think you can say the same thing about Southern California and Mexico. Yeah. I don't think they're trying to jail and, and, and deport every single Mexican that comes across the border. They're trying to figure out how do these two cultures coexist? Yeah. And you see that in the, the cross um, border business that exists, you know, to this day, even with a Trump presidency, you know, and, yeah. Take a cue from maybe like like you always hear it in Arizona and New Mexico and Texas, and that's worked for pretty well. But like, look at our people to the north. Look at people who live in Minnesota, who live in Montana, who live in North Dakota, even Idaho and uh, Washington. There's people who come down all the time from Canada into the states, do work, and then they go back home. Yeah, right? it's like it's if it's fine for them to do it, why isn't it fine for the people to the south to do it? 
Yeah. And that kind of makes it telling if you go like is basically her skin color. Right. And exactly. Like, it's it's not uh, it's it's an overt racism. It's not even underlying. Yeah. I mean, it's clear to everybody. Well, one would argue probably in defense of that because that basically said you just called the Red Coalition racist and that's what we hate about the Blue Coalition Chaz. I'm like, I get it, okay. But I think it, it's more so they would defend it like saying, like, no, it's their culture. Right, and their culture breeds this, and I'm like, no. When when you start your presidency yeah. de- declaration with they're sending rapists, they're sending killers, they're sending drug dealers and cr- criminals and gangs. When you when you start your that's your entry into the presidential politics arena, I think associating your politics with racism is a fair fucking argument. Right, and, and you know it. His supporters are supporting his ideas, so I don't think necessarily all of his supporters are racist, but I definitely think that the ideals of his presidency yield a lot of racist values, and therefore if you support that to some degree, you're supporting racism. I I think the way they frame it is basically how can it be racist if the reasoning makes sense? (laughs) (laughs) That's where I think it kind of boils down to. And I'm like, regardless if the reasoning makes sense or not, the reasoning is racist, therefore it's racist. <laughs> and yeah. So so that's kind of us dealing with our neighbors in the Russian issue. Um, as far as the diplomatic, you know, situation, it's it's kind of fluid because that was just kind of announced today. And so who knows how quickly that can be expedited and and what have you. Uh, what is our in our specific segment of the state of America? We like a little thing called Sometimes I feel I've got Bill Watch. <laughs> Bill Watch. Ah, uh, yeah. This, uh, this is a big one. This one is kind of working in tandem with Trump's tweet about banning transgenders in the military, which he just tweeted it and from what i've listened to for any of those who are out there who are enraged and very upset about it well actually let me first go into the bill and then i'll talk about it a little bit so the bill itself is the civil rights uniformity act of 2017 it got introduced in the house it is hr bill 2796 um it was the sponsor of it is pete olson He's a Republican from Texas. And Texas has a, like, Texas's state legislator is having a lot of weird bills going on, too, right now in the same thing. So it kind of makes sense that he's leading the charge in this. But the Civil Rights Uniformity Act of 2017 is this bill prohibits the word sex or gender from being interpreted to mean gender identity and requires man or woman to be interpreted to infer exclusively to a person's genetic sex for purposes determining the meaning of civil federal civil rights laws or relating federal administrative agency regulations or guidance. Okay. So if you're really into transgender rights and just gender rights in general and you believe past the the male female dichotomy, then call your representatives and tell them vote no on this bill because this the Republicans they see this as um identity politics. And they see identity politics as being divisive to humanity. And to some degree, I do kind of get what they're saying. 
But at the same time, I don't feel like they're taking into consideration what people like how the world already labels an identity and how they justify different actions based on basically if they see the identity as inclusive or exclusive. Right. And transgenders are definitely exclusive. Um, and because they're exclusive, you create rights for them that basically enforce um, inclusivity. And, and then I know like you think people can do exclusivity or no exclusivity from the individual level, but when it comes to these broad bureaucratic, like even just private institutions and even some public institutions, uh, sometimes all it takes is one person not doing that and having that be representative of the thing as a whole. Right. So you need laws in that to protect it. And this is why this is kind of like a shot in the face to that. And that's uh, HR 2796? 2796. All right. And that's, uh, yeah. So definitely contact your local representative at the Congress level, whether it's a senator or a, or a House member. I guess at this point it's in the House, so I would start there. And, uh, yeah, make sure they vote no on that. And, yeah. And, and it's, it's definitely important that if you do uh, contact the person to give them your feedback and and wait on the phone while they ask you a series of about three i think questions where they get your name where kind of what area of the state you live in so that they know and then they document that if you actually call the number for your representative every single phone call is documented so don't think that you're falling completely on deaf ears there's staff there that is dedicated to actually delivering all messages in an equal fashion regardless of merit or <coughs> you know value at the moment they don't know if you're calling about a pothole or if you're calling about gender politics they're going to take down that note and so mm -hmm. uh that's why you hear a lot of people say call your congressman the reason you keep hearing it is because people aren't doing it yeah and so you really do have to exactly just kind of give yourself the time one day a month or one day a year even if you're just the, somebody who's never done it and call the, your representative. Hold them accountable. Yeah, and, and you can even use the tools out there like ResistBot. ResistBot, you just, if you look it up, you just send your name in through your phone. And anytime you want to resist something, you just put in, like, they store your information. You say, I'm trying to resist this. And then they automate an email to, like, your your uh, senators and your congresspeople. Yeah. That's a, another technologically advanced way to do it. Speaking of the House and uh, and bills, uh, there was a failure to pass the repeal of Obamacare this week. Yeah, a cha is out because John McCain was like, "Nah, son." Yeah, but but <laughs> but that's because he went last. Let me find out the names of the two ladies because there's one lady battling stage four kidney cancer, I believe. Um, yeah, and it and was. Then came back too. He he had voted earlier in the week for the bill, but said that it had major changes, and they barely made any changes. So he voted no. Um, so he voted earlier in the week to have it come to debate. Right. And people interpreted that as they were voting for the bill to pass, and like so, people argued that if the bill was bad, it shouldn't even come out to debate. Right. But then John McCain got up there and saying, I'm voting for debate because things like that need to be hashed out. And once we hashed it out, then we can make an informed decision on this. And he did. And he said, no. Right. So. Yeah. So that's I mean, that's a win as far as uh, Obamacare having some life if they want to tool it to to 
be a longer term version of of our America universal health care. But, you know, it's definitely not the end of this story. Um, We're going to continue to see um, new approaches from the Republicans to basically pass this identical style bill. Um, Anybody who knows anything about policy or knows why the laws that we have in this country are the way they are, know that you can't take something as complicated as Obamacare and then just get rid of it and replace it in a moment's notice, especially something as complicated as healthcare that includes things like pre-existing conditions being eliminated and mm-hmm. levels out the, uh, the participation in the health market. All that type of complicated stuff that we've been dealing with the last six years since the Obamacare debate originally occurred, which, you know, isn't actually Obamacare. It's the American Health Care Act. And what was it? Uh, It's the Patient Protection and American Health Care Act. And I'm sorry. Like, stop dropping the pee-pee there. (laughs) All right? Like, that's important. But uh, so because that bill... Um, it, it took six years to form to the point where we're at. And then the declaration by the Republicans is that there is uh, no way it can fund itself. And it definitely has a, a difficult road ahead of it, but it was working. And you can't give a complicated bill like uh, government health care two years, basically, to operate in, in full steam. You need to give it almost a decade probably to really kind of hash out how it's being used, how the market's reacting and allow the market and the private market that everyone's trying to protect. Mm -hmm. Strangely enough, the Donald Trump version of this is that the private market is going to take over all the, the slack from Obamacare getting repealed. The private market will evolve to exist within Obamacare. They'll find the evidence of where services are being rendered. That's why you're seeing urgent cares being built in neighborhoods that never had urgent cares. Mm-hmm. Because with Obamacare, everyone being insured, it's profitable to build a local check-in clinic, which it hadn't necessarily yeah, been. Yeah, I went to one. It was like 50 bucks, and you had to pay it up front. Yeah. Well, that's still all operating under the terms of Obamacare. Yeah. And so the private market is growing to... to deliver the services that the people want. And so essentially the market itself could pay for itself if those dividends and the taxes and the use by the people, because now we're using insurance so everything's above board and on paper as opposed to people just going into emergency rooms. And the reason that is that taxes the staff of the emergency room to some huge level to deliver all the health services of people that are uninsured. Oh, yeah. So by insuring those people and giving them the ability to walk into clinics like that when they have simple things like a cut finger or a broken leg, um, not that a broken leg simple, but they're things that you know what it is. They can identify it. They can cast it. They can get you out of there. Whereas the ER is going to have 800 other examples of that happening all at once at the same time. Yeah. And so uh, how to kind of prioritize all that is why healthcare at the current non-insured level is expensive. And so with Obamacare, it leveled that. And it's even got problems itself because not everyone's automatically signed up. There is There was that process of using the website and all that. And so there is still people who are uninsured under Obamacare um, it, because of just the difficulties of, of establishing an address and paperwork and, and being present if you're at the lowest lowest level like essentially homeless but outside of that there have been improvements in most people's care the the loud minority of people who had a more expensive health care or experiencing delays in the service of health care 
shouldn't Trump, huh, I hate that word now, as a verb, <laughs> little t Trump, I'll just say that, and uh, it, it, it shouldn't trump the, the value of other people who are successfully using the system. And so it's, it's, it's a difficult uh, problem, and as somebody who studied public policy, I would think writing a government health care plan is probably one of the most complicated things this country's ever going to try to do. Yeah, I mean, it took him 18 months to do the last one. And we in, in an earlier episode, we went through like parts of the 938 pages of the, a, the PPACA. Yeah. And, and that's why I'm 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 hopeful that uh, the failure of this bill gives some of those senators and some of those representatives the the understanding that they need to retool what we already have right you gotta if and and you gotta retool it and and you can't just throw it out and uh hopefully they do that i don't i don't know i just i i know how the republicans typically work we're just gonna see a newly titled bill and they're gonna try and whip some of these people into shape Mm -hmm. um they can scare tactic people like mccain first of all mccain has the cancer problem now that we were aware of yeah so so they could fund the republican party could decide that he's no longer representing their values and then they could fund a challenger um in his next election yeah and well he has stage four brain cancer and only 0.5 percent of people live um, five years after that and 50 percent of people live one year so it's reasonable to think that there might be a special special election. election for his seat yeah um, but I wanted to give a shout out to, uh, Lisa Murkowski, a, a Republican of Alaska and Susan Collins, a Republican of Maine, who also were leading the charge to the entire time of saying no to the AHCA. Yeah. And uh, definitely I wanted to, cause I've been following this a lot and listening to Vox's The Weeds on this. And it would seem like, cause right now when we went back on our previous episode about the ACA and how they only mandate that of all in the exchanges that, there only needs to be one silver level plan on there. Right. Right. And I feel like what they need is like the plan sharing of sorts because Ted Cruz was like, well, what if people just want a catastrophic plan? I'm like, they have that on the exchange already. Yeah. Right. In places that have like robust enough um, exchanges. So what needs to happen probably is there's basically three tiers, bronze, silver, and gold. Right. Maybe there needs to be more tiers. Maybe there needs to be like a 10 tier and that's the catastrophic tier. And maybe there needs to be a platinum tier where, um the people who have lots of money and want all that awesome care can actually go but all that money needs to be pulled together into one pool so it is lowering the premiums of young people who want to get um on health care right yeah. and then like and then tell people young people where like or give them give them maybe a checkup only plan which you already subsidized that in obamacare so have them pay like a hundred bucks a month where they can go in and like get a checkup or get see if they need to get some medicine or something i mean we we have examples of this in the auto insurance market yeah you know what i mean there's bare bones auto insurance because there's requirement to have auto insurance in yeah liability only liability only so essentially you apply liability only style legalese to the healthcare market so Mm -hmm. it's like yo yeah i just need it if i get struck by lightning or break my leg tomorrow i need to be able to go somewhere and be insured 
by the way, when I cut my finger, I stitch it up myself. I'm just not the kind of person that goes in and does it. You know, I'm not saying that for me, I'm creating this person. And so that person shouldn't have to pay for, you know, a 200 a month, $200 a month premium to never go to the hospital or never utilize that right. service, you know? But at the same time, if there is somebody out there who's driving two Teslas and like has a home in the East Coast and a home in the West Coast and wants to be able to go into the nicest clinic and get the fastest service, but they can pay that dollar, like you're saying, and goes into uh-huh. the pool to bring those up, that that definitely should be available. And I, given the materialistic quality of mankind, it, it, it would work. People would buy into it. Right. And, and a lot of, honestly, a lot of healthcare is also pharmaceuticals. And uh, you want, like even though America and China are the two biggest um, economies, you know who's number three? Germany. You mm. want to know why? Pharmaceuticals. Right. All right. So if you, I mean, I'm not saying we're trying to go back to World War II, but definitely having really expensive pharmaceuticals and just other medical gear in general that get, the price just gets inflated from this certain like medical ledger of sorts. Right. Exactly. And. Kind of the the Martin Scarelli kind of method. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Martin Scarelli was like, oh, I own this thing that's only this much. Boom. So I think if we actually incentivized um, maybe a generics-only plan for prescriptions as well, too, right? Because the generic ones are just as good as the name brand ones because they have to use the same chemicals. The only thing they can't do is call it the same name. Right. And uh, so... Like, when you have Aleve, which is just, like, naproxen, and you have Bayer, just, it's just, like, an aspirin. Yeah. If someone makes that, like, I, at work we have Unbayer, and it's, like, it's the same thing, and you just can't call it that, right? So, right. it's... Yeah. There's definitely ways to get the same amount of service and cut down costs, because indefinitely, I think we should at least model um, from all the countries that have more socialized healthcare, where it's... Uh, 70% public health care and 30% private health care. And for us, it's 50%. And basically, the 50% of uh, public health care is elderly, children, and the disabled through Medicare and Medicaid. And everything else is public. And I don't know what percentage of that is employer-owned insurance. And the other one is insurance bought by people on their own. And it's that people that buy it on their own on the exchange that are having the most trouble. So shoring up those areas where they can get more robust service for m- less costs, and that means incentivizing more people to put their money into the system, right, is what I think. What I hopefully like a red blue coalition bipartisan sort of bill comes out to either shore up the PPACA and do that, or if you and you don't really need to scrap it because the ACA or has good bones, and and I think like if you're gonna have really reform there, that you have to see where the good bones are. And use that as their your bases, and then build up from there to make sure that there's yeah. quality healthcare for everyone, and that it can afford itself, in, you know, in perpetuity. Yeah, because that's the biggest argument the the Republicans use right now is that it's not going to be able to fund itself. Well, I always like to interrupt some of the heavier topics on this show with a little lighter discussion to try and kind of get us in the mood to to move through the rest of the show and and get through the other heavy stuff. And so to lighten the load today, I thought we've been showing so much light to the ABC family because we did the Full House, then all the TGIFs, and then then we did the the Growing Pains theme that we'll sing. So I want to throw a little sunshine to the other major network in there, which is NBC. 
and talk about some of NBC's sitcoms throughout the the existence of uh, the network. No, that's true. Let me I, I want I want to say they've got I I have got I've got my old uh, ranker here, which we used to talk about the cartoons a, a couple episodes ago. Mm-hmm. So so uh, straight off the bat, you have the '90s must-see TV lineup, of course. Oh yeah, I remember that. And so uh, those were going to be you're going to have the uh, Friends, you're going to have. Uh, Seinfeld. You're gonna have. Um, oh, okay, I didn't realize those were NBC. Yeah, NBC had some stunners. Yeah, you're gonna have, and then uh, later on, moving into kind of the 2000s, you're gonna have Community. You're gonna have Parks and Rec. Shit, NBC, you shutting the game down. Yeah, I didn't. Wait, what? And then if you go into the early 80s, you're gonna have, and I mean, at the time it was good, Cosby Show. I'm sorry, Cosby, that he's, you know, wherever he is now. Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Wow. NB, what? NBC. And then if you want to go further back, uh, you're going to have Taxi. Okay, yeah. In the 70s, which, of course, had Danny DeVito. It had, um, God, who was the the great Andy Kaufman? Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. Uh, Some other 80s hits. Night Court. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, Dude. the Golden Girls. Golden Girls, of course. Yep, that's in there. Uh, Family Ties was also on NBC. Dang. Back in the day. Okay. Uh, and then some kind of un- undersold ones that people may not remember. Mad About You with Paul Reiser. Oh shit. And Helen and Hunt. Helen, yeah. <laughs> Wings. Oh fuck yeah. The show Wings with Steve Weber and Tim Daly, where they played the like local like airport. Uh, pilots, but it was like it's like a small commuter airport mm-hmm. somewhere in New England. Uh, some other ones, just shoot me. Oh yeah, the David Spade vehicle. Uh, throwback ones. You have Alf. Oh, fuck yeah. You have uh, WKRP in Cincinnati. Oh wow, they even had Punky Brewster. Oh yeah. Holy shit. I loved Punky Brewster. Soul Moon Fry, if you're out there. Soul Moon Fry. Shout out. But uh, but yeah, some of the okay. Now that I'm scrolling down, I'm in the late 50s of the ranker list. Yeah, you have some some misses. You've got you've got suddenly Susan. Oh, I remember hearing about that show. Yeah, yeah, which had Brooke Shields. You have you had Boston Common, which was kind of funny, but it didn't really hold. You had several Matthew Matthew Perry, uh, spinoffs that were like him only, Chandler only, essentially, without being Chandler the character. So you have Go On listed on here. Okay. Uh, they're listing Saved by the Bell and Saved by the Bell, the college years. Oh, right, yeah. Yo, I was raised. I remember that. Yeah. Kelly Kapowski. So, yeah, man, look at that. It's like you kind of forget that single networks, uh, the original Late Night with Conan O'Brien. Oh, uh, yeah, and your boy Ron Funches on uh, Powerless. Powerless. <laughs> Callback. And, and he was also on Undateable oh. on NBC. Woo. Yeah, sh- shout out, shout out to Ron the man. So, yeah, I just wanted to throw a little light towards NBC. They've, uh, you know, they've created some programming. Now, if I was gonna give you Ranker's list, the one I haven't mentioned that's number one is Cheers. Okay. Yeah. 
scripted television, you, you got alcohol as a category, so that's mm-hmm. probably why it's kind of held up. People, everyone drinks. I could see why it, that. It definitely, like, it was just blue-collar blue, blue collar Joes talking about blue-collar woes while having a drink with their friends. Yeah. Like, that's real shit right there. All-star cast, too. Mm-hmm. You got Ted Danson, Rhea Perlman, Ratzenberger. Uh, oh, I forget. Th- what was Norm's name? What's his real name? Oh, Went. George Went. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so number two, they've got Seinfeld. Of course. Three, they've got friends. Four in the four spot. Oh. Golden Girls. Hey. Holding it down. There you go. Solid, solid show. Uh, five spot, they put Saturday Night Live. Uh, I don't know if I, NBC. Yeah, it is NBC. I wouldn't know. <laughs> if, I don't know if I'd call it a sitcom, but you know what I mean. They they got They got to do that. And then they got Frasier and Six. So shout out to Seattle. Yeah, there you go. Subject Frasier and then Scrubs, Thirty Rock, Taxi, and. An often forgotten Uh-oh. 90s classic, Uh-oh. John Lithgow, Third Rock from the Sun. That's right. And that's where... Uh, What's his name? Who's now super big. Right. He's <sighs> he's in Batmans and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, he's he's got, in Inception as well, too. He's got like the acronym name. Everyone calls him his acronym. <laughs> uh, yeah. That was... Uh, here. Let's see. Third Rock from the Sun. Uh, yeah, I forget. I forget who that is. But uh, we're gonna figure that out for you. But keep going down the list. But yeah, that's it. I was just gonna. I just wanted to kind of throw a little light towards NBC, kind of lighten the load here. So if you're if you're feeling heavy about all the things you got to deal with in life, definitely call your senator, call your representative, and then maybe uh, throw on some uh, some old classic NBC comedy to relax and enjoy it. I'd say go ahead and watch some Undateable. Watch my buddy Ron Funches play Shelley while he was like. Extra large. He's lost about a hundred pounds since that uh, series. Right. So uh, shout out to him for uh, for for owning it and, and weight loss. All right, what's the guy's name? And uh, what and watch Joseph Gordon Levitt. Um, Joseph, yeah, Joseph Gordon. Third Rock from the Shop when he J- was uh, just a little baby. JGL. No, he wasn't a little baby. That's what they a, call him. They call him JGL. <laughs> JGL. That's right. All right. Well, uh, so moving into the latter half of the show, what are some of the other major topics you wanted to? enlighten the people about uh just want to make sure you guys put in your ballot for seattle if you're seattle local or whatever local city elections you're having in your area um definitely wanted to let you know about city council number eight um seems to be a race because uh city council spots come up at different times and usually there's nine total in the city. There's seven for the various neighborhoods, and there's two citywide. And eight and nine are the citywide ones. Okay. So definitely, I believe eight is the one with Tim Burgess in it. And Tim Burgess is definitely, um, let me see. Yeah, he, he he's not seeking a fourth term, so he's out. And he's been kind of like when I was doing things with Lyft, and I was messaging him and everything. He just came off as very just like standard run-of-the-mill politician. So definitely felt like now with him being out, people who want to get um, elected and stuff, uh, it's really showing you what the different issues of the city are and right. and everything like that. Because I'm looking here at this uh, the Seattle Times uh, article and it's pitting labor, business, socialists, and Democrats all for the key post because it's citywide. So 
trying to see like what are we going to pick in that position are we going to put in labor because there is a lot of like dock workers and everything like yeah, that and a lot of blue collar industries construction that, that's happening all over the city yeah like Major. It, it makes it makes the city hum and it definitely like businesses like being a new formed small business owner figuring out like what taxes like how are taxes actually going to take away from my ability to profit will i have to increase things operating a business within city limits so like that's something yeah. i'm looking at too but also looking at things from a socialist point of view because we have such abundance and everything i feel like living in this city you can make a crap ton of money and still be able to give some of it back and everything and because of just our capitalism first people second approach to our economy it just feels like that there's ways that if we did people first economy like capitalism second we could find maybe strike a stronger balance between the two because that's what's pushing a lot of people out and of course just regular old uh maybe call them neoliberal values just a little bit capitalist but you know trying to make sure that the little man actually gets posted up so yeah yeah no i i, I believe you it's 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 interesting in seattle because they've kind of evolved this council situation over time um there used to only be representatives of individual neighborhoods and then they realized there was a lot of quarreling for for getting stuff done because there was nobody that was actually looking at the large picture and so now they've created these city-wide representatives and you know it's still a work in progress but each election has its different identity and like i think elections in the past were about evolving the transportation system well, now we've just passed a statewide funding for major transportation infrastructure. So that's already happening. So that's no longer really the major issue in this city. And so you're hearing a lot more about the homeless crisis. You're hearing a lot mm -hmm. more about, um, you know, bringing jobs to the area for all levels of worker, not just, you know, super high-end tech jobs. And and the different kind of levels of of local politics you know the fact that these people are teachers and doctors and lawyers and and citizens of you know of our city and and not necessarily um permanent politicians you know for uh, sure and so yeah it's it's an intriguing election and and it's 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 full of honesty and and competing values and uh it's gonna be uh, an interesting uh, result because whoever gets voted mayor, this is going to be one of their partners because this is another citywide representative. Yeah, and the one thing that makes me happy that uh, the person who was the incumbent is out is that he really supported the the bunker, which is the nickname for the big $160 million police site that they wanted to make oh yeah right and, and um it makes sense because the police like if you talk to the police where they have their place in north seattle now it's too cramped for them and they can't feel like they can do their job effectively but it felt like more like they were making a police playground that was like impenetrable like if the zombie apocalypse was happening in five years okay cool our girls but <laughs> and yeah but for right now when you show like how much the inequality um, has happened because of policing and everything like that. It feels like well, kind of a kick in the face to that. So. I mean, and I don't mean to be like crass or like cut things down, but I'm like, cool, I'll give you a $160 million building, but guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to take all of your cars. 
I'm going to make you guys walk to and from that building. And here's why. Because I think walking the beat of some of these city streets is what's really going to actually reach out to the public. And I think driving by in cruisers and pulling up to events as they're already happening isn't the way to police. And I think being a member of the community is the way to police. So, yeah, if you want your $160 million castle, I'll build it for you. But I'm going to sell every single Crown Vic and blue whatever freaking suv they be storming around the streets on right i mean they'll need some of them for rapid yeah. responses yeah. but i feel like you know give them an orca card yeah have them like have them ride the beat riding down like metro buses and everything like yeah. that like really see what's going on and everything yeah and like yeah yeah so i'm like yeah oh so you don't want to get rid of your car well then you don't get the castle and and honesty i still think we should sell some of these cars um, I see them busting up and down. I know there's rapid response, but I also know that it's it's abuse of privilege to a degree, that they're definitely um, screaming up to events that are not violent or not, like, you know, necessarily a threat, and they're driving through as fast as they can, blaring the light, creating a, uh, a problem for people who are just commuting or just being drivers, thinking, well, this must be an emergency, and to find out later that a lot of the times there isn't. Yeah. And that's an abuse. And you can't do that if you're on a bike or you're walking. Right. Oh, and they also, like, they don't, like, in the paperwork thing, too, I think technologically, um, I feel like there's a lot, like, somebody out there who's in the tech world who's looking for a problem to solve. Um, the ability to do paperwork efficiently across policing is a big deal. Yeah. And then that basically makes them, cause right now you'll call them with a genuine complaint and they'll go like, we ain't fucking going there. Like we don't want to deal with that shit. Yeah. Like if you tell them to deal with the homeless or something or someone's doing like their small infractions, if it's in a certain part, they're like, no, we're not going there. And that's so someone, because actually that brings up something funny because I was watching a Intelligence Squared debate about policing, um, and they're saying they only go, one person's argument was they're only going to the places where people are calling, and that made me think, no, they're not. Sometimes they think those types of things are not worth their time right so it doesn't get registered yeah and they're they're happening upon things they're making assumptions yeah they're almost creating crimes to a degree because they're they're you know through the um profiling you know they're 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 adding crimes to people's lives who were not necessarily you know bothering anybody they might you know if you have a controlled substance on you but you're not actively trying to steal from people or hurt other people right as a citizen of this country i know that it's illegal but i'm not necessarily bothered by that person holding that gram of cocaine or whatever they're doing you know but at the same time if a cop profiles someone in a certain area and decides that's the kind of person that might be doing that yeah they in a sense created that crime Oh yeah, no, 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 and that's that's what the that's like. If you guys haven't watched the documentary Thirteenth on uh, Netflix, it goes into all of that. Like that's why the whole web of the convict lease system is such a such a nebulous place to look at, and it does start at both the laws and the way they police. And we already know that certain types of people are targeted because of quotas, and I don't even know why the fuck quotas even exist, exist. right? Yeah. Like. Like, you're the police. You're supposed to serve and protect. The Why are you supposed to have... How, how are you supposed to serve and protect from a checklist? And it's clearly changed because Andy Griffith had days off. Yeah. You know what I mean? He was the only sheriff in Mayberry. He had a deputy and it was him. And he had days off, okay, to go fishing with uh, little Ron Howard. 
So mm-hmm. in that sense of the view of 1950s policing to today, where you have 800 cops at a time roaming the streets trying to find crime, and yet crime continues to stay pretty reasonable at the same levels, it would, it would dictate you don't need all that policing. Right. It's like, like, see, what tells me, too, is that well, the, the funny thing that I always get is living in Seattle and both living in Philadelphia, when it came to like the multicultural or um, or maybe like lower income or urban, I don't want to say urban, I just mean like neighborhoods with minorities. Um, you would always see more like in these neighborhoods, there's shootings and there's this and that. And in like the more fluent neighborhoods, they'll be like, there's robberies. Right. Right. And I'm all like, but but you don't you don't hear about the robberies in action. You hear about the robberies after the fact. Right. And I feel like like this is where I kind of feel the disparity of policing, because if there's robberies going on that you have to report to the police later that they can't like because, you know, especially in these areas where people work nine to five jobs. Why isn't there more nine to five policing in these areas to make sure that people aren't doing nefarious things like the other day, multiple times people stole our mail and you can call the police, but yeah, if there was like someone patrolling, maybe yeah, like on days where we're not doing things, yeah, because some of policing is a deterrent, yeah, and that I get, and that's fine. That's that's part of what I'm saying. I've lived in places where there wasn't enough cops, and so they would just park a cruiser in like a high traffic park or something where people kind of sometimes decide to do nefarious things. Yeah. And just having that squad car there was enough to like deter some of that activity. Like, well, there must be a cop somewhere. Right. Exactly. And then maybe they move it every once every two hours or something, just kind of park it on another spot. And they basically would just kind of create the element of like, there's cops around, you know, and that's better than like, storming up on people who aren't actually committing crimes while other crimes like you're saying are being committed that could easily be prevented just by presence yeah yeah because like definitely i've walked around this neighborhood and seen cops at night um right and i'm like i I get i get your logic there but people are mostly home at night right so unless it's like deep night and people are trying to break in while people are sleeping they're going to take the path of least resistance and that's when they know they're not home because they're at work yeah exactly yeah well man i think uh we managed to trudge through most of the waters do you have any other uh parts of this uh council yeah i did i wanted to tell y'all what the stranger thinks you should do um so for council position number eight they want john grant and uh, let me see he they say like he's the adult in the room and he has increasingly progressive council uh and he just seems like he's a good choice for if you want progressive values to be triumphant in seattle and for number nine they're calling for the person who already has the spot and they they endorsed her in 2015 so m lorena gonzalez and uh, so yeah so if you like those ones hold the line on nine and uh move on on eight to what was the guy's name um, well, it's all new candidates, and he's saying yeah. the best one is John, John Grant. Grant. But look into it, because as the the Seattle Times article says, there might be a candidate that lines up with your values, and if you want to see your values represented in the city, then vote for the electorate person who's going to represent those the best. And listen to our last episode if you want to hear things about the mayoral debate before you put in your ballot on Tuesday. Make sure you get in your ballot on Tuesday if you're living in the Seattle area. And if you're not living in the Seattle area, uh, give us a shout-out on Twitter. You can always get at me at C-Town Mayor. I'm the guy helping your municipality by the sea. 
And you can find me at CRSII on Twitter and uh, Chaz Baz on uh, the Instagrams. Or is Chaz Baz 56? I honestly always forget because I don't use Instagram a lot. There you go. <laughs> and uh, hit us up if there's an election going on in your area that you want us to spotlight or take a look at or some difference in, uh, in the style of how it works. And we can talk about it on here because I think democracy in action everywhere in America is important. And uh, I want to know how things are going in your neck of the woods. Uh, anything else for the people, Sir Chaz? Uh, no. All right, man. Well, it's been a wonderful Sunday with you, buddy. I hope you have a, a good rest of your weekend. You too. And uh, we're out. Peace. Sizzler Kalanji. Call it, boys. You, you know we're living in serious times. Watch out. Oh, it's a madman world that we live in.